Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don. Donato Bucci, and remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the awesome introduction, as always, and to our guy Mike Regina with the amazing intro music. We have our first hockey expert on JT and the Don to discuss the Stanley Cup final and we will have them on first so don't go anywhere but before we welcome her in let's welcome in everyone's favorite JT Jimmy Thompson how you feeling today I'm not up for you trying to act like you like me on this show so I know I don't have anything to say to you and until you say something I disagree with, but I actually want to hear what our NHL expert has to say. So can you just kind of cut it short? Can we get to her? Because I'm, I'm totally not interested in anything you got to say. I'm always nice to you, and you always try to act nice to me at the beginning when we have a guest on. So we'll Honestly, see, we'll see really how it goes. to be nice to you in general. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. So we wanted to bring on our first ever NHL expert, JT, and... We've got a title, a new title to add to the show, our resident Tampa Bay Lightning analyst from live from the Tampa area, we can say, JT. That is Carly Jensen, who will be attending game five because Tampa lost game four in Montreal. But if we're being honest, the Lightning are on the verge of back-to-back Stanley Cup championships as they are up three games to one with game five on Wednesday night. So without any further ado, Carly, welcome to JT and the Dawn. Thank you for joining us and welcome. How are you today? Good, thanks for having me y'all. Love the show, excited to talk some hockey today. Thank you, we know you're a big listener. Thank you, Mm -hmm. one of our our loyal listeners. Uh, JT, are you ready? Are you ready for this? We're gonna learn some hockey today. I'm ready to be schooled, I'm ready to listen. (laughs) I know know how much of a, lightning fan she is even to the tune of and we were kind of talking about this yesterday she was texting me and i'm like how great and spoiled is it to be a lightning fan where you wish that they can lose a game in the stanley cup just so you can get a scenario that you want like as a dolphins fan i could never have that much faith in my team to say like oh if they do this and that like it'll work out like no like i think lightning fans are witnesses something special you guys are spoiled but it was a win either way Right. Yeah, if we took yeah. it home last night, it's a win. If we need to take it home in Tampa this year, it's a win. But you want to see them win in Tampa, though. You know, I feel like we got cheated last year with them winning with no fans. We didn't get to be there. <laughs> we got to do a double celebration. We got a little cheated. So now it's Listen our time to, to that. Try. They got cheated and they won. <laughs> the whole, I mean, the whole city is spoiled right now. You got Tampa winning oh, yeah. last summer, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And listen, the Tampa Rays are a good team. They made a deep run into the playoffs last year. I mean, they were one dumb decision from possibly winning that whole series. Maybe, maybe. So, Carly, with all of that said, the success Tampa has had as a city, but in particular, this Tampa Bay Lightning organization, because they're, like we said, on the verge of back to back titles. 
They won back in the early 2000s. So they've had quite a nice run. What do you think is the reason or what is the reason for the Lightning organization's success over the past really like 18 years or so? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's been a fan since the 2004 win, but it just got picked up in the last 10 years or so where people I think were actively involved. Um, I think it has a lot to do with Iserman um, when he was when he was running our show kind of over here. Um, unfortunately, he left to go back to Detroit, but definitely trained our Tampa teams um, to bring in really smart, really high quality, easy, teachable players. We don't have a lot of the drama of contract negotiations and, and attitudes and drug testing and missing out. A lot of those things we don't have anymore. Um, and I think that was a big thing um, for Tampa that they talk about and a lot of teams complain a lot about is that the managers here have learned to maneuver the salary cap in ways that are non-traditional. Um, and that's got, got us away a little bit with maybe holding players that we shouldn't have had access to. So like, for example, where we technically could hold Kucherov this season and he didn't play for his injury, but could come back for the playoffs. So he didn't hit our salary cap. So ways where they learn to keep their really quality, high quality players, but not going over the salary cap um, is a, is a huge reason I think they continue to be so successful. Um, and I think the other really big reason that a lot of people talk about, and I think is that they have a lot of line depth, right? So it's not just their one or two really star players like we see on a couple of other teams. They're pulling their third line, their fourth line who are making those really big plays for Tampa. And so when we don't have the money to keep our big players on, we have enough depth coming up in the draft in our, our minor league teams to be able to supplement and so it just seems like even when we bench a really good one, we always got someone coming up next. I yeah. think they just learned kind of to manage them. Yeah. And you bring up a good point with the depth and, and what has been said is they, they didn't lose too many players from last <laughs> year's team, but they did lose a few, but the few that they replaced them with are at least as good, maybe if not better. Yeah. So not a big drop off. To, it goes to what <laughs> you're saying with the depth. So with that said, do you think this year's Lightning team, I know I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it. Put it right there on the spot. Is this year's Lightning team, I think at this point, let's presume, I know you don't like to play this game. Let's let's presume they win in five. Is this Mm -hmm. Lightning team better than last year's Lightning team that did it in kind of the bubble uh, during the pandemic? Yeah, the non-traditional. Um. You know, I thought about this a little bit and when it's been passed around, I think a lot as to when people compare the teams. And I know in the press conference the other day, um, Cooper gave a really good kind of remark that I think sums it up where he said at the Stanley Cup last year, it was almost that feeling of the first day of school where you're connecting and your team's working, you're doing really well. And then when he just interviewed the other day about, you know, going into the finals here, he talked about it being the sadness almost of the last day of school right? Where they know they can't manage money-wise to keep everybody moving into next season. So I would kind of teams have paralleled in a different way. I don't know if you can necessarily say one is better than the other. I think um, some would say that if they could pull it off last year without Stamkos, that was a better team um, because he is big for them. I know that we pulled in um, Savard this year for defense, which was a big hit for us this year. Um, 
big hit on defense, not financially. Um, Stamkos being back this season has been helpful, but we had Kucherov out for the regular season. So I don't really know. I don't know if you can compare. I think they're, they're pretty similar, but I think we can agree that this will be the last of this line of the team together. And we will kind of have to take some hits come next season. So we're just enjoying it while we can and running high at this point. Yeah, I mean, when you can win back-to-back titles, even knowing after this year, okay, we, mm-hmm. we might have to rebuild a little or maybe even tear it down a good bit. Mm-hmm. I think any organization would take the back-to-back titles to do yeah. it. And I, I kind of read some of those quotes that that Cooper had said. And, mm-hmm. and JT, I did a little bit of research because, you know, we can't have an analyst I come on. I can't have you up here embarrassing us. You know, can't have an analyst come on and then us not know anything. And I, I did see that their scoring's up a little bit per game mm-hmm. compared to last year. They're giving up a little less. Their power plays a little better. Mm-hmm. And that last point of it's kind of the last day of school for them where they have that confidence. They're understanding how to play and why they win compared to, you know, just hoping to win as they're going along. And, and that is, that's, that's been huge. And I think that's how they've able to really kind of been able to control the, the Canadians. Um, and speaking of their opponent, the Montreal Canadians, and I know you're going to go watch them. Normally, Carly, they would not be playing the Canadians in the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of weird. This at most should be the Eastern Conference final. So the mm-hmm. NHL has had that new playoff format this season. So we want to know your thoughts on it and whether you think or would like not think, but whether you would like to um, continue to see this in the future in the NHL playoffs. Um, n- no would be the short answer. I like right? the answer. I, I no. like it already. Um, I think that it maybe made sense more so last year and, you know, they did what they needed to do for player safety um, for coaches safety is that's understandable. Um, I think that it's sh- the reasons it shouldn't continue, right. Are I try to, you know, think about when they're getting to play f- different conferences, right. Every team has a different style. Every team's got a different little bit of level of play. And you can go into those games saying, Hey, we're going to try this lineup, or we're going to try to play a little more physical, or let's play a little more strategic. And you get to try those on different teams to see how they respond. When we're in this playoff format, you're stuck playing the same team back to back to back to back games not even really breaks between them with other teams. And so I think that in some ways teams across the NHL couldn't grow in certain ways because you're playing those same opponents over and over and over. So you don't get to try your skill set kind of on a team who maybe plays a little differently. Um, Obviously people are from the other, um, I'm sure conferences are more upset that the Habs make it in with almost a losing record and somehow they make it in. Right. And we have teams who have dominated on you know in their divisions and and couldn't qualify um so I mean you have to give some credit though they I mean coming from an almost losing record to now making it to the Stanley Cup finals is a big accomplishment because some could say at that point you only had to come 12 games to get here instead of a normal full season to get here so overall I I get why it was put in place I don't think it's the best interest of teams across the board um I wouldn't predict they, they do it. That would be my thoughts going into next season, but 
I mean, next season we'll go into with a with a Seattle Kraken expansion draft, and that's going to be a whole new game where we got to start, you know, protecting your players so they don't get swiped from you like the Hunger Games, and see where <laughs> it goes from here. Yeah, in in JT, we know you don't follow hockey as much. Well, so I, so I, I do. The- have, I do have before you even speak. I do have a question for you. <laughs> just on the whole playoff format, because let's say mm-hmm. they do go into next season and they do keep this playoff format mm-hmm. with possibly what could happen to the lightning with, you know, expansion draft. And then, you know, mm-hmm. obviously you guys are going to have some turnover. Mm-hmm. Do you think keeping that playoff format benefits the lightning or is it, is it working against them in your opinion? Well, I guess to clarify too. So are you talking, you mean, so it's not just the playoffs because they did the whole season this way. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Right. So what I was going to tell JT, and as always, sorry that he had to do that on air. He rudely <laughs> erupts. But what I was going to explain was, and, and for the listeners at home too, basically what the NHL were taking was the top four in each division. The one seed plays the four mm-hmm. seed in the division, two against three. And then the two winners there play to eventually have basically a champion come out of the division. But from there, that's where it gets kind of quirky in that then they reseed all those division winners. So now in that third round, you could eventually be playing a Western Conference team or traditional Western Conference team if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. Or, for example, Montreal played Las Vegas, I believe, in the in the semifinals, mm-hmm. which normally they would only meet in the uh, Stanley Cup final. So mm-hmm. speaking uh, – I don't know if JT meant that or, or the short and regular season, but – um, I think well, I guess yeah. uh, well, I meant all, I mean everything all together. Just kind of, do you think if they keep things the way they are, do you think that hurts or helps you guys for next year? I think it doesn't matter who we play. I think we coming in hot again, oh, right? I feel like we're on the Family but, Feud. Good answer. <laughs> no, but I, you know, I I think that's an interesting concept. At, at a certain point, if you're only playing the same teams over and over, do you learn the weaknesses enough? that it becomes a strength to your team, probably. I don't know if it would be a strength more to the Lightning than any other team. If anything, it could be a weakness where now for two years in a row, they've watched the Lightning play in their playoff games and they know how those teams play enough that if they were to face them, they would know kind of where the stronger and the weaker spots were. So I don't know if it really benefits the Lightning. I think it benefits teams who struggle during the regular season and only have to make it to a certain point. become eligible and jt brings up a good point there so carly assess your division really quick going into next year barring any major changes i mean if you're playing some of those same teams over and over if they are a weaker bunch does that not help so as long as the lightning don't need to totally rebuild i mean they should be a top four team in the division i would think to, to jt's point yeah Yeah, I think a lot of it, though, we talk about, okay, how are we going to hold people in with the salary cap? Because again, that's been the biggest thing is people will talk about, oh, the lightning maneuvered around the salary cap. In some ways, maybe, but it was legal and it kept going through, you know, I think more of instead of it being a rebuilding concept, it's going to be, hey, who who gets stolen in essence by Seattle? And how does that affect the lightning? And, you know, with competing with Vegas, who has now been, you know, in the playoffs as well, a couple of times, they are exempt from the expansion draft. They don't have to give anyone to Seattle. So on the same token, people are, you know, a little bit frustrated where it's like, Hey, they've proven to be just as strong, but they don't have to send anyone away. Why do we have to send somebody away? Um, 
So I don't, I don't know. I think that's a, it's a really good question and something to think about, but I would assume they would still hold in the top four if they're keeping that majority core of their team that has that no trade clause, which a lot of them do. That's great knowledge drop there, uh, JT, that the Vegas Knights do not need to be part of the expansion draft. I did not know that. See, that's why we have you on, Carly. That is why (laughs) we have you on. Thank you. You you just made not only JT and I smarter, but our listeners smarter as well. I I must say, Carly, if I can, that I don't like the new playoff format because Mm -hmm. I want to see, you know, Montreal play the Penguins in the conference finals and then or I'm sorry, Tampa Bay play the Penguins in the conference finals. And then if Tampa or the Penguins get there playing LA, right? East coast, West coast, like that's, that's what I enjoy. I don't want to see, you know, Boston, Toronto who have somewhat of a rivalry or Toronto, Montreal in the Stanley cup final, like. Makes it really regional. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great rivalry, but I want to see that, you know, throughout the playoffs getting to the finals where, you know, you see some different teams, especially hockey, but that's that's just my opinion. That's one of the few times JT will tell you that I'm more traditional. But um, Oh, no, you're traditional with a lot of stuff, please. Any, anyway, so <laughs> Carly, before we let you go, we've got to ask, give us a Game 5 prediction and I guess whether – your Game 5 prediction is going to tell us, I think, whether or not the Lightning win the Cup. Yeah, I, I would hope, you know, kind of like what everyone's talked about, that the Lightning just want to finish strong at home. I think historically, if you pull up um, statistically, too, they do really well. I don't think in the playoffs the last years they have lost twice in a row. I could be wrong on that stat, but I'm pretty sure we're close in that way. Um, and so if we're going to go based off that historically, I think they'll come up with a big win at home. I think they want to win in front of their fans, in front of their families, um, for their for themselves too in their hometown. So I'm going to go maybe like a three, one game tomorrow with Tampa coming out on top, but I think it'll finish in standard 60 minute game time. No overtime. Okay. Okay. Nothing crazy. I I think they'll come out hot, nail it out. That's a confident prediction. I wrote it down (laughs) three to one because next time we have you on, you will hear it Mm -hmm. from us. Mm -hmm. One of our big things is we hold people accountable for predictions, including ourselves because we stink at them. I'm All right, gonna, well, what's your prediction? I'm going to say Tampa. Yours. Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so I'm going to go that they went five to one. Tampa doesn't even let Montreal in the building, not even mm-hmm. a shot. They're, they're going to end it pretty quick. JT? I'm going against the grain, and you know how I feel about this. Hater. You, Carly, this is what I got to deal with all the time. Hater. You can – you sometimes, especially when you're in a championship game, you can't give somebody – a second chance and I all it always worries me so I think I think they'll lose tomorrow I think they'll lose three to two I mean it's a fair worry I know that Canadians came back and won four three in round one they know how to do it do I think they can do it against the lightning no but we'll keep that in mind for you don't want to give the opponent any extra time the extra game is just that's too much for me sometimes well I guess we'll see that is confidence by Carly Jensen and Carly, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the time. Thank you for the knowledge drop and making JT and myself more knowledgeable and smarter in hockey, especially the Tampa Bay Lightning. And enjoy game five and good luck to your Lightning. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Stay safe. 
All right. Thank you once again to Carly Jensen. Great job from the NHL Stanley Cup Finals to the NBA Finals, which began Tuesday night um, at the same time, actually, that we're recording the podcast as uh, game one with the Milwaukee Bucks at the Phoenix Sun. So, JT, before we get too far into the finals, um, let's get right into it. Our predictions. Who are you taking? Well, first, I'm surprised you're not taking this opportunity to do a little victory lap because none of my teams made it to the finals, and at least you got one. I'm glad you brought that up. So now that you said that, that's two years in a row if you're if you're keeping tabs at home. You got one of the teams right, no, yes. No, 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 no. Two years in a row, I've picked the Eastern Conference champ. Oh, maybe they should hire you as a right? consultant. Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks. I'm just saying, that's pretty good. Pretty good. But I got to knock you because I'm pretty sure you said that the Suns would be the team in the West to disappoint. <laughs> did I say that? You definitely did. I, I did. I did. But to my defense, they did luck out that LeBron and AD were were injured. Yeah, yeah. And I think I picked the I – mean, obviously, I picked Brooklyn like everyone else. And well, the you Clippers picked the just, Jazz. You picked the Jazz. I picked the Jazz to be a disappointment. And they, they kind of were, but they, they weren't. weren't they right? were number I mean, one seed that lost. I mean, and yeah. They, but they got through at least the first round. All right. So who so you I, taking? I, I just wanted to give you your props because I didn't I know you were going to bring I, that up. You set that up beautifully. I appreciate that, man. Don't ever say I don't look out for you. Mm. Okay, on to the question. Let's go. That's a damn question. I asked you, who you taking? Oh, you asked it? Damn, okay. Um, Suns and six. I wish I could say four just because I mean, that's a thing now, but the Bucks are going to get a game or two. So, you think the Suns and six, huh? Well, yeah. listen, I, I do think the Bucks need Giannis, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my team that got me there. I'm gonna stick with the Bucks, and I think Giannis is gonna be out early, but Middleton will we'll just, we'll just, to, just to confirm he is playing tonight. So okay. I don't know. I don't know if there's a minutes restriction, but he will be available. I I'm, I guess what I meant was he probably is not going to be 100 percent game ready. He's not going to be MVP Giannis right but, off the bat. Right off the bat, exactly. So Middleton and Drew Holiday, they got to step up. But guess what? They did that last series in games five and six, and they can do it again. Like I think Drew Holiday is almost like a younger, more athletic version of Chris Paul as he's coming into his own Ooh. with this team. With this team, right? You got Lopez and Portis. They're going to slow down DeAndre Aiden. And I, I must say, though, Monty Williams is the better coach in this series. I think you'll definitely agree. That's why, that's why I'm picking the Suns, because I think these teams are really evenly matched. And I think it's going to come down to the coaching. And Budenholzer just looks like every possession is I'm coaching for my job, where Monty's like, look, man, nobody expects us to be here. I'm playing with house money, and I I just think they're more locked in. There's well, he there's has a lot CP3 of pressure on the as a leader. He has CP3 yeah, there's a lot of pressure on the Bucks. Like they've been, people have expected them to be in this situation for years now, and then for them to get here, I, I don't know if they'll be able to hold up to the pressure. Like Phoenix has been waiting for this. Yeah, and without Giannis or Giannis, maybe not 100. The Suns are a better team, but. I think what's going to happen, the Bucs are going to keep them in the series, keep it maybe 3-2, and then Giannis is really going to get it going game six and seven. I've got the Bucs in seven. Um, 
with Giannis coming on at the end and, and Middleton and, and Drew Holiday keeping them close enough for Giannis to do his thing at the end. So I've got the Bucks in seven. JT has the Suns in six. So let's look at CP3 and Giannis. JT, the two big stars of the series here. Whose legacy is more at stake with a loss? I hate that we even, I know you're going to say this is a JT question. It is a JT question. Now you hate your own question. I don't hate it. I mean, well, first of all, damn, if you would give me some questions to ask, I could say like, oh, this is a Don question. But when I'm doing a lot of lay work on the back end, this is what happens. But Your name is on the show first. You're always the one that wants to give topics first. Anyway, There's no room for mine. Anyway, anyway, I hate this question because I feel like it's not fair, but it's ultimately what the question is going to be because somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. And like you said, these are the two biggest stars. So when you're the biggest star, as everybody starts talking about legacy and where you rank, unfairly, Giannis has more at stake. And it's because he has multiple MVPs. And you talking about you predicted the East uh, last couple years. I feel like the Bucks, every team they've lost to in the playoffs, like I'm pretty sure the odds makers had them beating them. Like th- you can't be that team that goes out that way in the playoffs and you have that guy who has all that hardware on your squad and you guys don't deliver. And I said this before on a previous show, if Giannis doesn't get a title, it's going to hurt him. And if he doesn't get a title, he basically has no legacy. I I feel the basketball world has already anointed CP three, a goat without a championship. And, and like everybody is cool with that. Fans are cool with that. Uh, The powers that be that, you know, do the media are cool with that. CP3 is a certified GOAT, and he doesn't need a ring. So I don't think Giannis is going to get the CP3 pass, so all the pressure's on him. Answer this question. Do you have Giannis, whether he wins this or loses, let's say he wins this, do you have Giannis at the end of his career in the same level as MJ, LeBron? If he does not win, do I have him K- in the upper echelon? KD. If, if he, he wins, doesn't win, if he wins it, um, if he no, wins I mean, this, obviously one. you have to start talking about multiple titles at that point. Okay. Is there a chance even with multiple titles, let's say he wins three, let's say he wins four, let's say he goes four and oh, do you have him in the same breath? Cause you said KD is not on the level of LeBron and MJ. Do you have Giannis on the level of MJ and LeBron? And if he wins well, if he wins four championships and he's four, no, right. That's a, apparently that's a big deal to people. And then also too, you're talking about, I'm assuming if he's winning four, th- he's winning this one. And then three after that, I'm assuming that he's going to pick up at least one or two more MVPs. Yeah, absolutely. You got to put him in that category because you're talking about three or four MVPs, four finals, perfect in the finals. I mean, he's starting to enter that conversation of like top eight. I mean, it's, it's a possibility. You have to start saying that at that point. See, you told me KD is not on the level of LeBron and MJ, but now you're going to put Giannis in there just because of this one title with a couple other ones down the road. KD's got more. You said four. Titles. You gave me a scenario. You said anyway, four titles, four no. Let me get, to, let me the get to the answer. He's going to have multiple MVPs. Like, let, let me you get have to, to the start answer. saying that. Okay, let me get to the answer. Unless you can say right now, Giannis goes 4-0, 5-0, couple more NBA MVPs. Will he ever ever be considered better than Jordan. 
I'm going to say 99% of this population. Well, nobody I'm, will. Let I'm not part of that 99%, but they're going to say that MJ is always better than Giannis. So what does this win or loss matter to his overall legacy? I, to me, I, it almost doesn't matter at this point because it's more about CP3's legacy. I'll tell you why. What do we always think about great Hall of Famers, maybe some of the greatest to play their position, never got a title? That comes up way more now than almost us debating a top five or top 10 of all time. You've got Dan Marino, our guy on that list. You got Charles Barkley, who we see every year on TNT. That always comes up. You know how many times on the show they make fun of him for that? Then you've got CP3 and Mello in this new, this new class. And you don't think a title, JT, to Allen Iverson's name would have changed his legacy even more? Well, at least he went. But uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, CP3 went. Like Charles Barkley went in 93, but he didn't win it, right? So that's why I'm saying this is CP3's first, only, and last chance ever because the Suns aren't coming back next year. Lakers are going to be healthy. The Denver Nuggets will be healthy again. You never know what the Jazz can do. The Clippers, you never know what they're going to do right now with their roster. This is his chance. Patrick Ewing, you don't think that would have elevated him to maybe above Elijah one? Like, this matters more because he's not coming back. Giannis well, can come back. Well, that's Giannis why, can that's go why. to the Lakers when LeBron retires and win six in a row. But that's why I preface it by saying that I don't. I don't agree with how people feel about CP3 because I I agree with you. Like the title thing for every sport comes up more than than anything. But here's the thing that Giannis, we don't know this yet, but I'm assuming it's not going to happen. That. The past that Giannis won't have, that CP3 has, and then also some of those other guys that you name, like Barkley and Ewing. Those guys had to go through Jordan and guys like Olajuwon. So, like, they were legit other just all-time greats, like, dominating that era. AI what, never guess, did. Carmelo what, never guess what, did. Guess what CP3 has? It's it's LeBron and Kobe. Like, okay. he... Like he he has an ex- a built-in excuse like, hey, I played in the era of LeBron and Kobe. Like, or so you and I played in the era of Jordan. So does like Barkley. Giannis doesn't really have that excuse. And that's why I think it's gonna be it's gonna matter more for his legacy because LeBron's gonna be done in the next couple of years, whether we wanna okay. we wanna admit it or not. Like, who is who is the next LeBron? Like the next guy that's gonna take over the league where like nobody's gonna touch them, that person's gonna be in the finals every year. It's supposed to be Giannis. Yeah. But that's my whole point. Giannis can get back. He can go to the Lakers and win five in a row, right? He can build a dynasty wherever he goes, right? CP3 is done. I don't know. He's, done. I th- He's not I getting think I think their success is more about the combination of who they have around them because we've seen the Giannis show by himself and it don't go on this long. Well, but that's my point. He can leave. He can dictate what happens with his team, Right. If CP, I get what you're saying, and it and it's kind of hard because they're at two different you know areas of their career. No, but that's the whole question. That's but I feel like I feel like if CP three loses, I don't think this changes anything about his legacy. If he wins, I think people will feel happy for him. If Giannis loses, I feel like people will start to be like, mm, well, you know, Steve Nash won two MVPs, and we know how we feel about that. Like it's I think part people are going to start poke holes in how they feel about him. But that's the thing; it's going to be part of his legacy. That's why I think it's so big. You're right; it doesn't diminish what CP3 has done. But then you got to remember how many times did he falter in the playoffs? How many times up three one did he falter? And then you have to look at 
okay, yeah, it doesn't yeah. help his legacy, but it's a big hole in the legacy. Just but I will say this. Exactly. I feel like one of the things people don't talk about with CP3 that's kind of built into why people don't care if he has a championship. CP3 never was in a situation where like his team just dominated a conference like that. Like he wasn't winning MVPs. Like he didn't have the best record in the NBA. Like the teams were good, but it wasn't like they were ever the favorites to win it every year. Like the Bucks have been favorites to win at least the Eastern Conference multiple times. So that's what I'm saying. Like CP3 win, lose or draw, like his thing is already set. So this really don't even matter for him. It's just more of a feel good. Like we just glad CP got one. Totally disagree. Totally disagree. Well, that's why we got the show. That's why we got the show. So let's go over to college sports. To which you really want to talk about. Th- this is definitely something you really want to talk no, about. In a landmark. This. In a, what? You definitely want to talk about this. In a landmark decision by the NCAA Board of Governors on June 30th, they approved an interim name, image, and likeness, otherwise known as the NIL policy, that allows college athletes to earn compensation from use of their name, image, and likeness, and to engage with companies and agents that manage NIL activities. So JT, with that said, let's first look at the on-field effect of this. Do you think this will affect recruiting for smaller schools, such as a group of five conference team, in a positive or negative way? So this is going to sound like I'm copping out. I think it's both. I think there's some positive, but there's also, I think, some negatives that can cause a domino effect. I think the positive, especially for the smaller schools, is the fact that basically players can make no money off their likeness now is those smaller schools, I'm pretty sure every school in an area or a region has some sort of like business connects or they have, uh, you know, boosters or they have um, alumni. I think it's going to help those people because now you have something to draw kids into your small to mid-level program. Like for instance, let's say if it's a, I don't know, what do you consider a a mid-level program? Well, it'd be like, you know, like a Bowling Green or would you you consider like like a mid-level program? Um, I know they're in a major conference, but like, are they like a mid-level program? Like they're like teetering on top 40, but definitely not outside like the top 80. I don't see them as, as a smaller school. Cause the question is a smaller school. So um, I think in green. terms of name, but I'm looking at New Mexico, Bowling Green. Yeah. Teams, teams like that, a San Diego state. Well, guess you know, what? San Diego state. Perfect example. Somebody somewhere in San Diego area has money and the people that run that program in that school know who that guy is. So guess what? If they can get you connected to that person and the destination is somewhat desirable, I think it's actually going to help maybe get you a recruit that you normally wouldn't have gotten because now you can pay. Now you can get them paid. And that's some people that's enough. So I think the smaller schools will be able to, to flex whatever, connections they have in the business world that's related to money so that's i think that's that's the positive the negative is this basically and i know this happens in in basketball but in football mainly i think what's going to happen is this is going to open the door for the shoe companies and the athletic brands to basically dictate where kids go legally so i think this could turn in basically it's going to turn high school football into aau basketball and then you know how aau basketball affects like how college basketball the landscape is basically determined 
I can see that happening with football. And I think that is where I can see it being a negative because two things, I'll give you an example. What's to stop Nike from going to, let's say, a school like IMG, right? IMG has every big recruit every year. What's to stop Nike from going to them and saying, you know what? Here's here's a $100 million contract. Every player that come here has to sign a thing where they're going to come to our, to our, whatever, our Nike schools. And then next thing you know, every player at IMG has ended up at Oregon. So I think that's going to be possibly well, see, a you're missing, you're missing the intent there. That has nothing to do with the NIL because the kids are not receiving the money. I don't think they technically can still receive it in high school. So this is for college athletes. No, I get it, but that you know it's going to work its way down. And I think that's well, that, where the, that's I think where the that negative would, is. I think that would still be, is that still not illegal? I, I don't think you can funnel uh, a certain player to a specific cool by, school by accepting money from a company. Well, not necessarily not the what player it's for. accepting money. Let's say if I'm not saying program, the player. I'm saying the pro. The pro well, yeah, that's, the pro. What, but that's what happened, JT, with what happened with the federal indictment of these guys. Assistant coaches were taking the money to try to get kids to go to a specific school. That was illegal. I think that's going to happen a lot now. But it's I still really illegal. Do. How does this yeah. change it? This is for the players. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. And then I think what will happen too is I think big-time recruits will now think about where they go because I think because now that you can make money off your name and your likeness, you're going to want to go somewhere where you can build a brand if you're a big recruit. Like, think about it. Like, if you're Trevor Lawrence, like – do you want to go to Clemson or do you want to go to USC where you can make, you can make money now. And then also too, you know, in California, you might be able to be around people that have better connections to build your brand. So I think some of the smaller market schools like Alabama or Clemson, they might be losing out to a USC or a Miami now because players want to go to bigger cities where they can get more shine. Sure. Maybe. But again, I think you're missing the, the premise of the question, it was more of those group of five, the real small schools. Can they now compete? Is this going to give them some sort of advantage? Because listen, Clemson's always going to be Clemson. It don't matter if they have the boosters or not. You're forgetting the alumni base is, is way bigger at Penn State, at Clemson, at all no, these other schools but, but I think, than Miami. I don't know because some, some of those schools, some of those schools, they just don't have alumni that we are aware of, but they have alumni that have money. But it's less, right? Like think about every year graduating at Clemson, let's say it's 20, 30,000. At Miami, it's like 3,000. Just by the numbers alone, you're going to have a better chance of finding someone in that Clemson class of alumni that has way more money than the numbers at Miami. Like it, it's just the way it I is. Think, I think it's that's gonna, why I Miami always be. struggles, JT, fundraising. They always struggle. That's why their facilities always behind. They don't have the alumni base. They don't have the alumni base. But I think for those smaller schools, it's a positive. And I know Miami's not a smaller school, but we this technically is, are. This it, it is. That's true. It goes to some of your point that you're making. They just signed a deal. I forget with who it is. Each player on their football team is getting $6,000 because they made the deal as like a whole team. So mm -hmm. each player on their roster is getting $6,000. It doesn't matter if you're De'Ara King or the third string kid. special teams guy. Like it doesn't matter. You're getting that 6,000 and that is a lot. And I think this is a positive. Yes, there's a downside, right? 
the big boosters at the big schools, like you said, can have a business. Hey, we're going to give you $500,000 to just show up and sign autographs at our car dealership the first day you're on campus, right? So yes, you're always going to have that. But overall, I think the smaller schools now maybe have a chance to compete because that running back, that receiver that has to sit the bench at Bama for two years and no one knows their name, guess what? He goes to get on the field early. He goes to Western Michigan. He's going to be a star from day one. And that's all it takes is one big uh, signing for him to make money. And other guys realize, hey, I don't need to go to Georgia to make money and sit the bench for two years. Or I don't need to go far away from home. Or that if they want to stay close. So I think those sort of players that are not going to play right away, but are big time stars and waiting at some of those schools are going to go to the smaller schools and, and get paid. So I think it's a positive uh, for the, for the smaller schools. Again, the downside is if the NCAA lets us get too out of hand, I think the, it will in the I, stars. I don't think they can control it. Yeah. In the stars at like Texas, all of a sudden are getting half a million dollar, you know, autograph sessions to attend like that's ridiculous i mean I that they're once, overpaying for that once you once you allow players to openly make money i like basically becomes a paper trail like is the paper trail clean and we know any good institution is going to be able to cover up a good paper trail but jt it's not even that like think about if you're a, a big miami hurricanes fan and you have a car dealership and, and you're making millions, millions upon millions each year and you know there's a five star what is to stop you from saying, "Hey, investing"? Yeah, you. They don't need. You don't even need to say anymore that. Oh, become a Miami Hurricane. They know who you're dealing with. You just say, "Hey, I want you to come in, do a commercial for my my car dealership. I'm going to pay you two hundred fifty thousand dollars." You don't think right there. They're like, "Wow, he's willing to pay me two fifty in Miami. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do another commercial for him." autograph sessions there must be other people with money down there i'm gonna go there like what's what's the stop you like it, it it's gonna get a little out of hand but that's what we're used to with the ncaa they have no they have no backbone it's the wild it's always they, been the wild wild yeah, west they, they don't know how to how to make a good thing like this and turn it into a benefit for everyone the players the schools the ncaa they don't know how to do it what do you what do you expect from the ncaa all right so more specifically let's look at reggie bush who has made a push to get his Heisman Trophy back and his playing records and stats reinstated? Did, did did you like how I threw that in there? You didn't you didn't catch that? Yes, I did. Reggie Bush, who made a push to get his Heisman. Yes, trophy. I know the and Bush Notre push. Dame fans everywhere are just like shut up and keep reading the question. All right, should he get his Heisman Trophy trophy back and the records reinstated? I guess I'll ask you this. Do you think people that are in jail for, let's say, marijuana convictions only should be released now that it's illegal, it's legal in a billion dollar business? I mean, you would think they should, right? Then I feel like that's the answer to this, because it's, it's basically the same thing. It's, you know, it, yes, it was illegal back then, but now it's not. And what's it going to hurt college football and USC to welcome it back to the program? Because it, to be honest with you. Reggie Bush is USC. Like, I don't I don't care what anybody says. That's like the past 20 years. That's what people remember about SC is Bush. And a lot of people have felt like him getting the money was small to what he was bringing, not only to USC, but to the game when he was playing. I mean, everybody 
was watching it. People who don't who don't watch college football were watching college football because Reggie Bush was primetime television. I mean, we were staying up 10 o'clock watching games because we wanted to see him do his thing. So, yeah, I, I think he should have everything reinstated and they should return the Heisman. So he, you, you said he was phenomenal. I mean, he definitely earned, he definitely earned the Heisman. Um, he didn't take steroids, right? So him taking money, that didn't make him better on the field. And no. I know some people said, well, he broke the rules. He wouldn't have been eligible to be on the field. Okay, I understand all that, but let's let's talk about what happened on the field. Once you want to talk about that. all the SEC players that probably got paid, <laughs> right, that, let's not go down that. Right, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Because Cam so, Newton, his Cam so, Newton's dad said, "Look, it's uh, it's a mill to even get a sign." Let, let's not go down that rabbit hole. But you know, he didn't take steroids. He did nothing except train to make himself better on the actual football field, and he earned the Heisman. I didn't think he should have given it back in the first place, but. You know, I understood why he did it. There was a lot of pressure. He just felt it wasn't worth it anymore. Now, should he get it back and get his records in, in reinstated? You brought up a good analogy, JT, but there's a little difference on what Reggie Bush did. So he received basically about $300,000 in gifts from two sports marketers, agents, who wanted him to sign with them after school. So the difference is if he had just shown up with these guys to do autograph sessions secretly, you know, or had done some sort of like kind of endorsement deal on the side, I'd be like, you know what? That's legal now. Give him his trophy back. But that's not what he did. aspect is not sitting right with you. He played the game. He played the game just the way those sports marketers were trying to play. Hey, we'll give you this. We'll give you that. And then they turn around and sued him because he didn't sign with them when he became eligible to sign with them. So he played the game too, though, Reggie Bush, all right? He's a smart guy. $300,000 in gifts, which included like a rent-free home for his family. I forget where, somewhere in California. Yeah, it was nice. Free hotel stays. Yeah, he got a suit for the Heisman. I mean, you know, who who probably didn't. But I think he even received some cash too. But again, it was to sign with them. Again, this wasn't a deal where like, you know, he's signing autographs and got paid for him on the side. It's basically you're you're saying that that deal kind of puts in doubt like his basically his amateurism. And that's why you're not that's why you're not so gung ho about giving it back or reinstating the records is like, well, kind of you weren't an amateur at that point, because if you were in basketball, you couldn't come back once you start dealing with agents like that. Correct. Correct. So, yes, some people might say, well, sports marketers, if it was allowed back then, you would have been doing deals. And I understand that. But you weren't doing deals at the time. You could have you even though it would have been illegal. Actually, had you done it that way, I would have been I would have been more okay. So now you about to say don't give him. Oh, go ahead. Just say it. What? Say. So your answer is no. Right. No. I'm saying saying right. Right now, as it stands. I don't think he should get it back for the first. I didn't think he should give it up, but now that you did and now you want it back, you still didn't play within these rules. If this would happen, JT, where a guy took $50,000 from an agent and did no name image likeness deal or anything like it, he'd be ineligible to play. Correct. So that's why your analogy, which I thought was a good analogy, but this is a little different because he didn't just. So basically, yeah. So basically the analogy you would have to add, oh, he's got like a like a DUI in there somewhere in that record. So something now like totally that. You know, n- nothing, nothing. Yeah, 
something on a something those. that's outside of the marijuana charges. Correct, correct. Yeah. So even if you want to drop those, you still got this. Still got to serve time for this. You still have some other, this, you know, yeah. And I read somewhere that the Heisman Trust basically said they just can't give it back, which I don't understand why not. The I mean, records it over to them. I know the <laughs> records need to be reinstated by the NCAA, and then they'll give it back. So I think the Heisman Trust kind of pushed it on they, the NCAA. They, they passed the buck. They're like, nah, we're not, we're not going to be the first one to fold. Yeah, they know the NCAA will mess it up. They always do, and the NCAA will take heat, and the Heisman Trust can clean their hands of it. So I feel like here's the thing. I'll ask you one question, then we'll move on. Do you think he'll get his records reinstated? And do you think they'll give the Heisman Trophy back? I'm going to say I don't think his records get reinstated because I think it's too far away from when he was actually dominant. And I think the average person doesn't care, but like we care because we know how good he was. And we were like, oh, dude, he was the best player that that year. Basically, when he was there, he was the best player. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, like you said, like he wasn't taking performance enhancing drugs. He was the best player. He won the Heisman Fair Square. He was going to do that regardless. So we wanted to have it back, but I just don't think people care about Reggie Bush. They know him more for Kim Kardashian now than what he did at USC. And that's just the, the fact. And maybe his NFL career was how, how it didn't pan out. Yeah. And, and maybe if he was, if he was like, uh, you know, he was like Patrick, Barry Sanders, he was like, or, oh, shoot. yeah, right. Um, but to answer your question, I almost think the records being reinstated is more reasonable than the Heisman because the Heisman can be like, Hey, this was your punishment, right? You don't get the Heisman, but JT, no matter what, whether he was eligible or ineligible, again, he didn't take sports, you know, uh, enhancing drugs. So, or performance enhancing drugs, you can't change what he did on the field. So the, those records should stand, whether you want to say he's ineligible or not, we saw what we saw. And he did it on the field. Like, he did it on the field. Those stats just don't vanish. Go ask those defensive guys he ran by. Yeah, go ask (laughs) Fresno State every time he ran by him. Like, Reggie Bush, I I watch him play. I'm like, wait a minute, was was that a replay? Like, oh, no, he just did the same thing over again. I mean, ridiculous. All right, so speaking about uh, performance enhancing drugs, can we talk about some Olympics? Yes, sir. All right, so, of course, you know, we weren't going to leave this show without talking about Shikari Richardson. So as the U S Olympic track and field trials at the end of June, uh, Richardson was the winner of the women's 100 meter sprint. However, she tested positive after the race for THC, which of course is a chemical found in cannabis and marijuana. The substance is prohibited under U S and international anti-doping policy. So her trial results from that day have been disqualified thus canceling her birth in the Olympics for the 100 meter. Now, a couple questions for you. First, does America or at the very least uh, the USOC's lack of support for Richardson show how little the U.S. cares about the Olympics compared to other countries? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so because there's no doubt in my mind the U.S. wants to win. Um, in all of the sports, they want to try to get as many gold medals, as many medals as possible, you know, be in front of Russia, be in front of all of the countries. So the U S let's face it, we are the athletic standard in almost every Olympic sport, almost every Olympic sport, uh, other countries, they measure their success on whether they beat us in a specific sport, you know, as a country And the USOC knows this JT. Um, and so they, they want to win, but 
one other thing countries don't face that the U.S. must face when it comes to international competition is being morally correct all the time. And I truly believe that, right? Like, I know some of the that's examples actually, when we... That's actually a really good point. I, I know. I'm, I'm, le- I'm, leg- I'm legit now. I want to listen to you because I, I was not expecting you to go that route. I, I know sometimes you, you bring up other countries and what they do and how they may hi- try to hide things. But the U.S. Dude's reading my, all my notes. In Olympics, they're, they're like the New York Yankees, right? They're always in the news and they're judged on every single move. And not just whether it's successful, but how you handle things off the field, right? How you how you maybe punish players, how you handle players, how do you give them that respect? And so if the USJT would have hid this under the table and let her run and it comes out after, oh my goodness, we would not be allowed to compete in the next three Olympics. And so because we have that standard, you might be right. There may be a a lack of support by the USOC. I'm not sure, but I think part of it is they almost have to put that ban and disqualify the time because if they don't, you know what everyone's going to say? Ah, the Americans cheated. They just want to win. They're not. They're not the righteous ones anymore. E- exactly. But so also to your point, there's the though, integrity of the games, and I think the U.S. has to go above and beyond everybody to keep that integrity. Well, first of all, I I agree with your premise, but let's be real, like. USA don't give a damn about no integrity of the game because as 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 beautiful as that point was, and I was actually that was, that was great. I'm, I did not expect you to go there. They get players through drug tests, arrests, and all kinds of cheating scandals in every major sport back home. So I'm I'm not so quick to jump on the oh you know we're doing it for but, the integrity of the game. But, but like this, I'm saying I'm the saying US is the not inter- Coach Boone and remember the Titans. I know like they I, don't care about doing everything right. I I know, but that's why I said specifically at the international I get level. You. I get you. First of all, I just think it's funny that, you know, they're doing all these tests for athletes. They do it, you know, during competition, but they don't do it when they're training. So that, that's always been funny to me. But well, they, do. They, they, they do and they can. And there's a difference when it happens outside of competition. I believe it's a three month ban. And so they they can still test, but obviously they're not disqualifying times because you haven't run a race, right? That's the problem. When it's in competition after a race, they'll disqualify the time. Mm, I just always think that's funny, but absolutely. And I'm going to use one of your, one of your favorite, you know, things in life. Rocky, Uh-oh. you love Rocky, right? Yeah. If this was Drago and Rocky four, Russia would make sure that Shakari would never even sniff the failed drug test. They'd be like, look, they will be, whether it's, making sure she got her stuff together so she doesn't do it or it's like hey look shikari had a slip up this is what we're going to do to make sure this you know makes it and because other countries i'm not saying they do this but they have that mentality that we're like look this is the olympics like our stars we're going to protect them sometimes from themselves that just shows how much more they care about it than the u.s and i already brought up how i don't think u.s cares about cheating it's obvious that the Olympics is really not that important. You just look at how they, how we're promoted. Like, forget Shakari Richardson. Simone Biles is doing 
stuff that will never be done again. Like nobody cares. And I think that just shows She's you how- on those Uber Eat commercials all the time. That's embarrassing. She should be, she should, she should be on a on a on a dollar bill somewhere. I'm like, pretty sure she was on the Wheaties box. I mean, I, I think sometimes we forget because there's four years in between. Yeah, but I, I feel like if you were in another country and they had a Simone Biles or a Shakari Richardson, like it would be different. And I feel like because domestic sports in America are so popular and they make way more money and way more implications than those. Like, I do think it plays into the support openly that the U.S. US gives to the athletes. And I think that that plays into it because, like I said, we don't care about the Olympics. The only reason that we're good is because, one, we just we just have naturally talented people. And then the, also the only reason we're good is because, like, thank God, you know, NBA players, for some strange reason, actually want to be involved in the Olympics. Like, Michael Jordan convinced them a gold medal, gold medal matters like that. Like that's the only reason we're good is because we're just fortunate that we have a good pool of athletes and are some of our good athletes actually want to do it. So I, I, I disagree. I think the U.S. does not care about the Olympics. And but, the longer and longer we go, it shows. But JT, that's another reason you just brought it up where you're saying, well, you know, we have so many talented athletes and we have such a, a, a wide pool to choose from. And you know, look how big our country is. Look, this is the example. Panama, Roberto Duran. People still love him there. He's really their one true great boxer. He quit in the middle of a fight against Sugar Ray Leonard. But guess what? They still treat the guy like he's a god there. Whereas if Floyd Mayweather stopped in the middle of a fight, oh my goodness, we'd be like, on to the next one. Tyson lost. Oh, on to the next one. Because we Roy just Jones. have so many great athletes, right? Some of these countries, that's their one chance. That's their one chance to get gold, to beat the U.S. in a sport. So they they may, I'm not saying they all will, but they may say, oh, we But we then again, is it here. like, you know what, we don't we don't have to care because we we know we're always gonna we're always gonna be able to fall back on that. Like I think I think but that plays into it's not that it's the holding, nonchalant attitude about but it. But it's then holding that integrity. It doesn't mean they don't care. It means we gotta do things above board. But if we I mean, do I don't, it'll, I don't I don't, I don't be think okay. the, rest of the world thinks America is too <laughs> integrity is too high. But well, I mean I, I get what you're saying. It's it's kind of like you know, I'm not gonna give that analogy because I don't want to piss you off, but I, let's just say we disagree. I, I see where you're coming from, but they just show we like. We, I don't think we. I don't think we support the the Olympic athletes enough. Like, we, okay, that that I may that I'll agree with, but that doesn't mean they don't. The USOC doesn't care about winning as much as other countries. I think Russia cares more. I think those other countries care more. I think if this were if this were same bolt i feel like jamaica would be like look we got everything under control like we're going to make sure that he gets to where he's going but see compete. You're, you're missing the whole point of the Olympics. i get what you're the saying Olympics are that sportsmanship right like the integrity the values and that's what the u.s is trying to uphold because they care about the sport they care you about really the think all these countries care about integrity and sportsmanship at the olympic level i don't know maybe not according to you they don't they throw they all the rules out all right so Second question is, should Shikari have her disqualified time reinstated, thus leading her to compete in the Olympics in the for the 100-meter um, medal? Listen, I would like it to 
because I want to see the best against the best. And I'm sure her competitors would want her in there. I'm pretty sure they don't because now they got a shot to win. <laughs> That's totally true. Disagree That's true. On that. But if you're a true competitor, you want her no. in there, right? Bro, then you're not a true competitor. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that's bullshit. I'm going to tell you why. If there was ever, because you said it's once every four years. So that means if you, if you get beat, you got to wait four more years to do this again. Yeah, but you know what? If, 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 if you were up and you felt you had a chance to be second or third and Usain Bolt goes down and all of a sudden he's not racing the 100 meter anymore, you'd be like, you know what? The integrity of the game is like, you know what? I want to go against the best. Put I, I won't race unless Usain Bolt's racing. Hell no. You'd be like, you know what? You got a chance to get a gold medal now. Here's here's my analogy, though. Because that gold medal to a lot of people isn't going to be worth what you Bro, think I, it is. It's, if is LeBron played. Hold on. It's Le- still gold. If LeBron played Jordan in the Bulls in the finals and Jordan went down game one, didn't play the rest, and it took LeBron seven games to win. LeBron you don't go, think people LeBron are going to say to the podium? He no, he, no. But he may feel that way. But you know what? People are going to think, nah, that ain't yours. That's still MJ's. Took you seven games. MJ there, he sweeps you. So I don't want to hear. It. But let's get back to the real question. That here. that was oh. that was really like your ace of the whole analogy. <laughs> so will LeBron care about getting the easy championship? I didn't say LeBron. I said everybody else, the fans, because that's the perception, all right? That's the perception of it. If you're a real competitor, you want to compete against the best. And if you don't and you get that goal, guess what other people are going to say? I'm a real competitor, it's not I worth the win. goal. I want to win. And Whatever. if Usain Bolt is out there, okay. my chances of winning are very all, low. And all I'm saying, you don't think people are going to criticize you that you didn't beat the best, JT. That goal is not worth the goal that you think it is. So uh, that's all I around my neck in my in my trophy case in my house. Well, but you'll feel a different way. Trust me. Just like so, should she so she have the time reinstated, and should and should she be able to compete? In the okay, Olympics? thank you, thank you. So I think you got to look at a couple things. First is the history of it. So this isn't the first time, right? So if you go back to the eighty or ninety eight Olympics, all right, Canadian Olympic snowboard champion Ross Revliati, okay tested positive after winning the 98 Olympics, had his gold medal stripped, then later had it reinstated because at the time, THC had not been added to WADA's list of banned substances. All right. So um, that's basically WADA's the, the world doping agency. All right. So now you've got current rules where athletes are prohibited from using marijuana. And I got some of this from uh, swimswam.com. So they're so only man, prohibited really deep on these websites, man. They're Going only all out to make sure you get all the information. That's right. They're only prohibited from using it during competition, as you mentioned. All right. So this is basically an IOC thing where they're saying you can't have THC because a couple things. Recovery. Before, before I get to those, there's been other suspensions, right? So in swimming, we've seen Italian sprinter Andrea Vergani and U.S. national teamer Tate Jackson. All right. Both have suspensions for this. All right. For THC. So there's a three prong rule, which essentially if a substance fails two of them, it's a banned substance. All right. One is the spirit of the sport. Two is basically the safety of the athletes. And three is whether it's a performance enhancing drug. Now, there's a lot of debate on whether it's a performance enhancing drug. Right. From the recovery standpoint. Exactly. Right now, WADA has it as it fails that prong. And I believe it fails like the spirit of the sport or, or the safety. I forget. But, but it yeah. basically 
it allows, all right, it allows you to recover faster. And that's one of the, the, the main things that they're saying of why it's a performance enhancing drug. So I would like to see more scientific proof or more um, medical experts come out and really give a better opinion on whether it is a performance enhancing drug. Because JT, you and I, I don't think we know the answer to that. So I want to see more on that so that they can figure out yes or no, should it be a banned substance? And then the other thing I want to see is, goes to your question, how much does the U.S. care about winning? Because they're not banned from including her in the relay. The four yeah. by the what is the four it? by one hundred four by one hundred. So I think she should get the run in that. If you believe that she is one of the best U.S. sprinters, you put her on the team. And I understand that might take a spot from someone else, but that person's got to know <laughs> she's better than me. So I think we're gonna see. I would still like her to see. I think that's the happy medium, JT. Hey, we had to spend you 30, 30 days. Your time gets disqualified, but you're going to get your Olympic dream and run in the four by 100. So I think that's the way it should go. To answer your question, it probably should not be reinstated, but I think she should get the run in the relay. Yeah, I hate to say it because, you know, I think we understand how trivial it is to say, you know what, like an Olympic dream is crushed because absolutely because of smoking weed, but also to why she did it. Like, I mean, she had a death in the family that, that you know, I can't imagine the pressure she's going through dealing with that and then, you know, having to go out there and beat everyone's ass on the track. So, but I mean, in the words, of, in the the words of our, uh, our IG followers, you know, rules is rules. So um, I, I feel like because it is an existing rule, as much as we disagree with it, I don't think her time should be reinstated. But to your point, America, if you care, get her out there. Her 30-day ban is going to end right when the 4 by 100 relay is up. Reinstate her because you definitely are going to win with her on the relay team. So you definitely want the best people out there for, like you said, you know, this. you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, right? So show that you're behind your athletes. Reinstate her and let her run in that in that, um, that event so she can get a medal. And I do wonder, you bring up a great point as in terms of the dream of running the Olympics, it's easy for us to just sit here and say, oh, don't reinstate the time. But I want to know who her who her team around her is. Right. Whether it's on the U.S. track team or, um, you know, her her people that that manage her, basically. Right. Because, JT, I found out I don't know how true it is. I believe it. I believe it's pretty accurate. You can receive a TUE or a therapeutic use exemption for marijuana. That means if a doctor prescribes it and you file the proper paperwork before using it, you're exempt from a positive test. Like if someone so on why, her team, I why more, if, more athletes don't do that. Yeah, if someone on her team saw her doing that and like, you know what? If, if she fails a test, they're going to disqualify her time. And I'm sure this wasn't the first day she was using it, right? Because she was. No, using I'm pretty it. sure she spoke weed before. Well, well, for therapeutic reasons, is yeah. what she was saying unfortunately the death of her mother so someone should have seen that and been like hey we we've got to we've got to take care of this now let's try to put in an exemption like who's helping her you know usoc the track team any of you know i don't know what kind of team she has around her as far as marketing team or whatever but no one was looking out for her either which is a shame too 
And maybe it goes back to your point. Maybe we don't care enough about the U.S. Uh, Olympic athletes. And maybe that's got to change a little bit. But someone should have been helping her there. And maybe she could have got an exemption if that exemption uh, possibility is true. Yeah, I just feel bad because as much as I know I like the relay, it's all about the 100 meter. It like is. That, it like, is. If we're track, that's what it is. It is. That's like. That's like, you know, oh, they're going to let me compete in the skills challenge, but I'm not in the dunk contest. Like nobody really cared about the skills challenge. They want to see you going to go out there and win the dunk contest. And that's what that's basically what she's going to have to sell for. She's going to have to wait another four years to, to do this again. So I already feel really bad for her. If anything, stupid rule. Do we have we have so many medical professionals worldwide that can easily say, should this third prong be removed to get this off the list of banned substances? So somebody somewhere should get a committee together and prove, you know what, this is not helping with recovery to the level where we think it's an advantage and get that shit off the list. If not, then I, I don't know. This is going to be difficult. And I think you're just going to have people just not competing in the Olympics at the American level, because is it like, how, like how much is it worth to them? Yeah. And, and to show you how they've reversed things, I think at one point, from some of the research I did, caffeine JT was on this list because well, it's, all of, about, it's all about masking because they want to, they, they don't want anything on that, on that list that can potentially mask something. Yeah. Well, they had said caffeine was that performance enhancing drug because of certain things in terms of like energy and this and that. And so maybe this will change, but again, like we both said, there needs to be some research to say once and for all, whether this is a performance enhancing drug or not. Get the get the medical experts in here. What we are they waiting? Them. They're worldwide. Yeah. What are that? What's the IOC waiting for? I don't know because there's conflicting reports on it. So, all right, JT. Hey, great episode again. Thank you to Carly Jensen for joining us, and to the fans and listeners out there. Thank you always for listening to us. We couldn't do it, and we wouldn't do it without you. And remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you listen and find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, give us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on social media, our handle at JT and the Dawn. We can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So JT, until the next episode, see you. Peace.